Welcome to episode 99 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who was me last week. Virtually, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. John Scott Sloat. The 9-9, Doc. The 9-9. Yeah. yeah. 99 episodes. Wow. Um, that means next one's big. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what began is, you know, I think your son's idea maybe. He gets partial credit, sure. Yeah. Uh, has spanned into 99 episodes here. And 99 consecutive weeks. Yeah. That, that might be more impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Um, well, let's just get – let's get the preliminaries out of the way here. Okay. Okay. We'll get the how you contact the show stuff going here. So uh, you can find us at Twitter, on Twitter, at VNSPod. Email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook and YouTube, Various and Sundry Podcast. And uh, we would love for you to go leave us a glowing review and a five-star rating on whatever mm-hmm. platform you access the show. Yep. Okay. So let's um, – so last week, I was gone. Yeah. How, and, how was flying for you? What, what, was it a so, good experience? When was the last time you flew? Let's start it was there. pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Okay. So this is the first time you've been in a plane. Yeah. Since, since COVID. Um, and, you know, it was – it was all right. Uh, because of where we live here in Indiana, basically, you don't wear masks anymore. Sure. I mean, I'm trying to remember the the only – around here, the only place you wear a mask is you go to the doctor's office, basically. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah, so it felt a little strange to, to wear a mask in the airport and on the plane. Um, and then uh, – but, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I felt like I adjusted pretty quickly. Um, so, you know, once you kind of get past that mental hurdle of, of wearing the mask again, it didn't feel much different. Was the boarding process any, like, like some, some airlines changed their boarding process? No, no, no. no? Okay. No, it felt pretty, pretty standard. So, uh, and the weather in Texas, slightly warmer than here in Indiana. I know that's a surprise. (laughs) Yeah. It was cold here last week. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh. Upper seventies in Dallas, and mm. same for San Antonio as well. So, yeah, I mean, it was you know it was professional Bible nerds yeah. hanging out. Hmm. So my, my my tribe was uh, in f- full force. D- does your cup overrunneth, or <laughs> you know, after being with those people for a week, it, it is both exhausting and exhilarating all in one. Because mm-hmm. I. Being an introvert, being around that many people and having that many conversations just utterly exhausts me. Yeah. So good, though, to uh, to, to be there again because we didn't have it last year. We had some virtual mm. sessions, but that's nowhere near the same. No, no. There's always the – anytime I do a virtual conference, I go, oh, email. <laughs> that's what I'll be doing all day. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much a sort of and this kind of experience yeah. from the virtual conference. Uh, but And of course, going through the book areas, smaller this year. Some publishers didn't even show up. Others just really? brought uh, – just display copies basically and didn't actually hmm. get to order and then they w- they'll ship them to you at the end. Wow. But – Okay. Still good to see folks. Um, it's – that's the benefit. I mean, yeah, I gave a – I 
presented at both ETS and then SBL. And those go, are, those those are on good. the CV, right? Yeah, good experiences. Yeah. Uh, but really, the benefit is, is is hanging out with friends. Yeah. So that's great. So what happened here in in the lovely Winona Lake while I was gone? I mean, you you, you pinch hit for me. So you you taught yeah. my New Testament class on Wednesday and Friday afternoon. Yeah, and then you uh, filled in for me in my life ed class on mm-hmm. Luke at, at, at the church. So yeah, yeah, uh, all those things went relatively well. Um, I've received no 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 complaints. Well, that's so a, that's, that's a positive. <laughs> any any glowing praise or <laughs> no none of that either. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, so relatively well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a pretty. It was a little bit busier because I had some of those responsibilities, sure. but. Other than that, the week was – it was a pretty normal week here. It was a little emptier maybe around around the office. Mm-hmm. Different people have been traveling and out. And, yeah. Um, so so it's, been, it's been quiet on the front here. Okay. Okay. Well, this week probably won't, won't be much different just because it's the short week before Thanksgiving here. So. Yeah. The difference is I won't be here. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys are traveling? Uh, no. Andrew's folks are in Fort Wayne. So Christmas, we'll be there. you guys are going. Yeah, we'll be in North, Car- North Carolina. Oh, North. Oh, that's right. North Carolina. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Well, uh, a pretty busy sports weekend. Uh, let's start with your beloved J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Yeah. They lost to the Dolphins. Yeah, it was bad. The Dolphins are not good. No, 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 no. Uh no, uh, neither are the Jets, though. Right. I mean, I mean, let's 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 be real, you know, <laughs> brutally honest. Yes, uh, neither are very good, and uh, I caught the very end of that game. Okay, um, went up to dinner at my parents' place, who have NFL Sunday ticket, because my dad loves pain and misery, and he was watching <laughs> that game, and I just kind of look. I'm like, I don't even know how you're how you're stomaching this into the fourth yeah. quarter. Yeah, was it competitive? It was a close game. Okay. Yeah, yeah. like 17-24, something, something along those lines. Okay. Okay. It was 7-7 seven to seven at one point. <laughs> at one point. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think it was a very uh, – it wasn't a very good game. We had Joe mm-hmm. Flacco at quarterback. Yeah. Um, by the way, one of the guys with the most deep-set eyes ever, like his eyes feel like they're a good three to four inches into his head, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, not, not tremendous play from him. Yeah. But not losing play either. I mean, either. he's, he's, he's well beyond his prime. Yes. At this stage, yes. Yes. Know. Clearly just collecting a check. At yeah. This point. But it's hard to blame him, right? I mean, yeah. you know. He's making veterans minimum. Yeah. I think that's like 750000 a year. For, for largely being a practice player and, and holding a clipboard on Sundays. Yeah. So. And talking to rookies and yeah. saying like, yeah, here's this, you know. So I didn't get to see much NFL action because I was on my way back from Texas. But uh, I did catch the last half of the Chiefs and Cowboys game. That was kind of one of the premier games of the week. Yep, that was a big one. And a little bit of the Steelers-Chargers um, game last night. Yeah. So I watched a little Cardinal-Seahawks. And yeah. uh, uh, the Jets have the Seahawks pick in the coming uh, in the coming draft, first round pick. Okay, right now it's a top ten pick. So there knock on wood. Yeah. Well, the the more enjoyable part of the weekend, sports wise, was of course <laughs> Saturday. Yeah. Did you get to watch? Were you at SBL on Saturday? Okay, so I was, but um, so I was presenting a paper at one o'clock Central Time. Okay. So that's. 
2 o'clock Eastern. Sure. Which means that going into it, I thought, okay, I'm at least going to get to watch the first half of the game. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to be, you know, trying to, you know, uh, not obviously looking at my Apple Watch for updates after I'm, you know, done presenting and fielding questions about my paper. (laughs) So I was not looking forward to that. Thankfully, the Buckeyes did me a solid. They and, shut the door pretty and, early. And put it out of reach very quickly. So um, that might have been the, the that might have been the most impressive half of Ohio State football. Certainly it's been all year. But um, maybe that I can remember in a while. Uh, so they're they, 40, they, 49 nothing at the half. And they jumped to number two, right? In the AP and the coaches poll, the playoff rankings come out Tuesday night. So Okay. It'll be. I'm not sure how that will work with Alabama. The, the committee is just pretty biased towards Ala, yeah, Alabama, based on history. Yeah, but you know they're not supposed to take that into account. Yeah. Oh, but right. it does. Yeah. Right. But um, yeah, I, I think Ohio State's quarterback C.J. Stroud has cemented himself as a Heisman front runner. Okay. He was. Um, I think in the first half, he was 29 of. 31 for like a little over 300 yards and like five touchdowns. Yeah. So he's found his his rhythm. Yeah. He finished 32 of 35 for like 400 some yards and six touchdown Hmm. passes. And he he was pulled four minutes into the um, third quarter. quarter. Wow. (laughs) So, Hmm. you know, he he does that all in in basically one half of of football. But – um. And then this week is the team up north. Yep. Big game this week. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this was SEC Cupcake Week. So if you looked at all the schools that Georgia and Alabama were playing, it was all these like FCS schools that Hmm. have names that you don't necessarily recognize. So congrats to the SEC on some solid scheduling there. Like Gardner-Webb or who who did they? Uh, Georgia played Charleston South, I think. Charleston Southern. Southern. Yeah. Christian school. Okay. Yeah. Down in uh, well, across they, South Carolina, they didn't yeah. treat they didn't treat them very Christianly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, and Oregon lost. So now this uh, week's uh, college football playoff rankings will be some version of Georgia, either Alabama or Ohio State will be second. The other will be third, mm-hmm. and then fourth, I think, will be Cincinnati. Ooh. They've snuck into. I think they will sneak into that four spot. Um. And then it'll be probably Michigan and Notre Dame. Hmm. So Notre Dame could still sneak into the playoff. Could. There'd have to be some losses at the top, right? Well, but Ohio State and Michigan play each other. So there's sure. one team that's going to be eliminated from that. Mm-hmm. And then um, – but what Notre Dame has to worry about is the um, – if the Big 12 conference champ has one loss. So right now you've got Oklahoma State and Oklahoma with one loss each. They play each other this Saturday. And then there'll be the conference championship game after that. If one of those two teams wins out, I think they will leapfrog Notre Dame in the standings. Really? Yes. Hmm. I think the conference championship piece will be um, credited to their favor. Hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, one one other quick sports thing. Yeah. Uh, did you see the LeBron James fight? 
I didn't. Um, the uh, I, I only saw a headline that he got ejected. Okay. So, so you're going to have to walk me through um, this. I can't remember the other guy's name. Isaiah something, I believe. Uh, but it was in Detroit. And uh, there's, a, there's a foul shot that goes up. And the guy that LeBron is boxing out goes down. Mm-hmm. And what ensues is this guy getting really upset and coming after yeah. LeBron and, and kind of relentlessly coming after LeBron um, to the point where, like, his teammates can't hold him back. So uh, after initially getting him away, he goes, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then he just takes off trying to go around everybody to get to LeBron. They stop him again. He goes, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then he takes off and he got a, gets ahead of steam mm-hmm. and just has tacklers bouncing off of him <laughs> as he tries to like get to LeBron. And then it takes the whole team and the coaching staff to get him down the tunnel, at which point he gets into the tunnel and takes off. And he's trying to go around the other way to get after. I mean, the, the guy's relentless. Half his face is covered in blood. I mean, it was it was serious. And yeah. LeBron, and this is one of the things I think that annoys me about LeBron. Like, they show the replay. And there seems to be some pretty significant intent in mm-hmm. that elbow slash fist throw that catches this guy mm-hmm. in the face. Seems to be. And LeBron's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Bro, you know, you know, acting like, oh yeah. my gosh, this huge accident happened. Yeah, you're kind of like that felt really intentional. Yeah, so that that annoys me about LeBron. LeBron got ejected. Uh, my favorite part was uh, when this fight breaks out. All you hear over the loudspeakers: "Please stay in your seats." <laughs> yes. No one come on the floor. The malice Please. in the palace. Yes. Um, and then they showed the elbow throw. Yeah. And the crowd got really upset. Yeah. And all you hear is, please stay in your seats. <laughs> Do not come down onto the f- – I mean, the guy must have said it 10 times. Yeah. Um, it was uh, it was wild. You need, you need to go watch the video from it and, and determine for yourself what you think. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to do that. I'll have to do that. Uh, what about your Knicks, quickly? What? Uh, I think they're middling 500 right now. They may even be a little worse than that. So okay. Fournay isn't uh, – is it working out as well as we'd like? Okay. Yeah, I again at this stage, I'm I'm not paying close attention mm-hmm. to the um, to the NBA. I I typically don't pay close attention until probably Christmas. Yeah, when they have those Christmas Day games. Yeah, those are kind yeah, of those are a know, lot of fun. Yeah, I I think that I don't know how long they've been doing that, but I like that tradition of mm-hmm. like it's nice to have some NBA basketball on like that. So. Well, that's your world of sports and um, sort of as a follow-up to last week's episode, we wanted to talk a little bit more about free speech. Mm -hmm. We've talked about uh, safetyism uh, as as this sort of developing trend that has elevated people's desire or seemingly thinking they have the right to be shielded from ideas yeah that, that psychological safety yeah that yeah. that could threaten them in terms of that challenge them in their pre-established views and of course that that flows pretty naturally into the idea of free speech and uh, so maybe we can start with just this might seem like a, a a dumb question, but I think in today's climate, we have to ask this, why does it matter? 
like why why is why is free speech so important? Well, I mean, there's there's a little axiom that I think of when I think of free speech, and it's like uh, the answer to bad speech, which I think we could agree there's a lot of bad speech sure. out there at, at the moment. Um, the answer to bad speech is not less speech; it's actually more speech. Mm-hmm. Um, more speech that is, if I could put another qualifier on it, that is, that is true, right? Um, that uh, allowing the good arguments to weigh themselves out against other arguments and, and seeing what comes out um, mm-hmm. at the end of at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. Um, so, why do you think then that free speech is in such trouble today? Um. Yeah, I I don't know that I have good answers to that. I don't know that it's a, a one answer sort of right. thing. I agree with that. Yeah. Um yeah, I I I do think there is the the culture of safetyism like we talked about last week, right? Where um what's most important is the psychological safety uh, of mm-hmm. of individuals uh, and they don't want to be challenged or they don't want to hear things that uh disagree uh, with them necessarily on a host of issues. Yeah. And I, my goodness. And and I think, I think there's some legitimate, like, my goodness, maybe you shouldn't be present for when we hear this because, because there could be some sort of damage done. Like Mm -hmm. I I think of somebody who has uh, survived something horrendous. Um, hearing it again, um, like like somebody that goes to war, hearing fireworks and booms like that may, may not be the best for them. Right. It, it may set off something in them. Yep. Um, so I, th- I think that there are moments where I think those things are to be avoided. Um, but I think in an academic classroom, I think, you know, or or even in just society, we, we need to have the exchange of those ideas uh, in order to um, uh, come to better ideas. Hmm. I don't know if I answered the question. I, I went on a trail and, and no, found, that's my, good. found that's, myself there. Yeah, I think um, I, I, I this came up last week, but I think it bears repeating that when as a culture you abandon the idea of absolute truth, along with it goes free speech ultimately. Mm-hmm. Because then it's not about – well, there's this sort of objective – Thing, for lack of a better term, that we're trying to discover, determine, figure out, it just then becomes, all right, so how do we assert our own view yeah. and get it to a place of dominance? Yeah. I, th- I think I think objective thing, I think objective reality mm-hmm. even would, would, would fit there, right? That, yeah. Um, that there is a objective understanding of how the world works, what mm-hmm. what what works, what doesn't work, um, what a human is, you know, uh, what is right, what is wrong, those yeah. types of things. So l- let me let me ask this because I, I, here's here's one of the tensions I feel in in conversations about free speech. I think that as as originally founded, the U.S. was um, based on the idea that. In the public square, there should be a that it's the it's the marketplace of ideas. Sure, that people should have the freedom to share their ideas to and advocate for them, to attempt to persuade, to attempt to convince, mm-hmm. 
and that there was this expectation that in the public square there would be a clash of ideas,、mm-hmm. but that ultimately there was a shared value of well, we're looking for truth. Yeah, we're, we're looking yeah. for what coheres with and corresponds to reality.、Mm-hmm. That doesn't exist anymore as as a broadly held cultural value. I don't think. Well, and I think that's where we got to be arguing for that as well. We, you know, I think that's part of the persuasion is is persuading that、uh, truth is out there, truth is real.、Um, and I I think humans have an innate sense of that, even if they would argue the opposite. If、mm-hmm. if that makes sense, like I, like I think there is an innate human sense that like there is truth, there is reality.、Um, That is out there, and it's not self-made or self-discovered. Yes, but I think that、um, when you have expressions that are so common now, like "my truth,"、mm-hmm. well, my truth is different than your truth. Yeah, and basically, what people mean by that tends to be more: my experience、mm-hmm. is different than your experience. And that,、um, to me, there, there are dangers to free speech all over the place here.、Mm-hmm. One of them is this idea that、um, if that that you cannot challenge someone else's story,、mm-hmm. the sort of lived experience, personal narrative, is seen as sort of the trump card. Of it doesn't matter what. Facts and evidence you present, if that doesn't cohere with my individual personalized lived experience, then it's irrelevant.、Mm-hmm. And I think there's been an elevation of experience over objective truth、mm-hmm. in our discourse, such that、um, when you try to talk about、um, evidence, facts, observations. And you get you get pushback from the well. That's not my experience. My experience is this.、Um, that makes it difficult for I think for for free speech to thrive、mm-hmm. because then that becomes、uh, experiences become weaponized、mm-hmm. in the sense of any any information. And this works across the political spectrum. Oh, ab- so, absolutely. I'm not trying.、Oh, yeah. I'm not trying to pigeonhole one side or the other on this, but. That、um, when you have information, facts, etc., evidence that contradicts the narrative,、mm-hmm. well, then you just need to stick to the narrative and、um, avoid the this this other evidence, so to speak. Yeah, and not the and maybe another caveat to that is like experience is part of our understanding of truth, also, right? Like, yes.、Um, Yeah, it's it's part of our it's part of it. I think I like your wording that we elevate it,、uh, mm-hmm. perhaps over truth and evidence or、um, other、right. other things. And I, I think we see this where、um, part of where it, it shows up, I think, regularly in our public discourse is that certain people have certain experiences, and that gets elevated into this. Narrative,、mm-hmm. but then if you try to bring evidence and facts to that discussion of you know、uh, of whatever the issue is, it's seen as the personal attack, and, and so it becomes this this 
this battle between, okay, how do we recognize your experience may in fact be valid? That may be true that yeah. that happened to you or that, hap- that has happened to several of you. But when it comes to evidence and facts in terms of like across the subs- across the population, that in fact that that's maybe that, – that if you just listen to the narrative – Mm-hmm. That doesn't line up with the actual hard evidence of statistics and evidence across the board. I think that's a problem. Yeah, I, I think that's a problem, and I think you know part part of that is winsomely, winsomely, and uh, and convincingly, and, and trying to use persuasion to to talk about those facts and talk about those things. I, I agree, it's an issue. I agree, it's been elevated um, far far too high. Um, but I, but I don't know I don't know what other course we have other than to you know try to persuade and and uh, uh, tamper and and bring back uh, the elevated role of experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I I just I I grow increasingly more pessimistic about our culture. When it comes to our ability to um, to have fair-minded, mm-hmm. open discussions about controversial issues that don't immediately turn into um, personal attacks, sure, or that are perceived as personal attacks, right? Mm-hmm. So that uh, any any attempt you make to contradict what someone's personal experience is, mm-hmm. is automatically seen as a personal attack rather than a uh, as part of a discussion of ideas. Mm-hmm. And again, again, all sides of the political spectrum tend to do this, mm-hmm. where, where, oh, where they will too easily yeah. devolve conversations into name calling, into you know ad hominem attacks that you're like, this is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the unfortunate aspects of our current culture on this is there are far too many people from across the spectrum who are more interested in scoring points mm-hmm. and preaching to their own followers than they are about actually discovering truth, advocating for truth, and doing so in a way that has at least some potential perhaps to persuade. Mm-hmm. Because – it's not easy to score cheap debate points, but that that's never going to persuade. Mm-hmm. You know, I I can caricature a view I don't hold and come up with some clever rhetorical statements that make that view look stupid. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to persuade anyone who holds that view of like, oh, maybe I shouldn't, uh, maybe I shouldn't be interested in that. Maybe 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 I shouldn't hold that view. So I'm just I'm just not sure because, well, I'm just not sure how 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 as a culture we move forward on this. Yeah. And and I think, well, I I think I come back to to a bit of the same spot where I'm like, I don't know what other choice we have, you know, to to, I, I think persuasion, free speech has to be a part. I mean, there's in part that. That's how society's set up, um, mm-hmm. and, and at least the United States is like there needs to be a marketplace of ideas and exchanging of things. 
I mean, on, on the political end of things, one thing that I've heard that I think would be really helpful is get get cameras out of uh, the places where laws are made, right? Get get <laughs> get C span has ruined things, you know. Uh, get all the cameras out of the Senate, all the cameras out of the Congress, and, and let those people go behind closed doors and, and negotiate, work on things instead of using it as an opportunity to send a thirty second tweet out uh, or mm-hmm. a video clip out about X, Y, and Z to their to their constituents. So, I on the political side, that'd be that'd be one thing I think that would be be helpful. Sure. Uh, agreed. Agreed. I, I I also, though, find myself thinking part of this is a media problem, mm-hmm. that gone are the days where the media tends to uh, – views itself as we're just interested in the Repo- truth. Reporting facts. Reporting facts sure. and sure. giving information and clearly distinguishing yeah. between – reporting of facts and events and commentary that is clearly oriented towards one position on on issues. Sure. I, I do appreciate newspapers that still have a, a, a firm line between opinion and news. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some papers, which, you know, my beloved New York Times has done this, there there's very little line uh, between opinion and news uh, on their website. Right. And so part of then what makes that difficult is where do you even get reliable information? Because mm-hmm. every seemingly every news outlet has a slant. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it seems to go beyond – I mean you can probably pick out a few exceptions. But um, it seems to go beyond just a, well, human beings have a natural bias to begin with. Of course, they, sure. they're not morally neutral or neutral in general. Um, but it's turned from – it feels like it has turned from let's report the facts and maybe there's a little bit of a noticeable bias in the way that we frame that to now it's just – it's advocacy journalism mm-hmm. is what it is. Yeah. It's we're going to tell you this information to get you to think a certain way about this mm-hmm. rather than you know we're just going to put the information out there, let you draw your own conclusions, maybe even tell you – what different views are on this and give them equal airtime, so to speak. Um, but when you lose in that public space a commitment to some measure of neutrality and objectivity, mm-hmm. that becomes very difficult, I think, to have these kind of conversations. I agree. I agree. Um, and I, you know, to, to add another element to that, right? That's, yeah. that's the professional media uh, side of things. Sure. I, I think Twitter <laughs> – um, uh, Facebook and Instagram. I, I think all those things make it more difficult and, and make it far more complex. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I, I guess, um, you know, so so one example that comes to mind, I was having a conversation a while back with somebody. I'll, ke- I'll keep this vague. Okay. You're not going to throw <laughs> out their name and and <laughs> tell you, tell us about the whole incident, I'm how not. embarrassing it was for them? I'm not. Okay. Okay. I'm not. Uh, so I was having a conversation and we were talking about, and again, I'm probably going to step in it for saying this, but here we go. Ready for this? Oh boy. I was having a conversation with someone about efforts to ban the teaching of CRT in schools. Okay. All right. Okay. I was, I was ready for a bleep button or something no, that, no, no, that no. we needed there. Okay. No, no, no. Just trying to, having this conversation and this person asked me, knowing what I think of CRT, uh, ask me, 
are you in favor of banning the teaching of CRT in the classroom, in like public schools? Mm-hmm. And, and here's my dilemma. The free speech advocate in me wants to say, no, I'm not in favor of that. Yeah. What I want is for there to be able to be an open discussion, mm-hmm. a fair presentation of this is what it holds and what it advocates for. Here are arguments against it. Now you sort it out. You yeah. think it through. That's what I want. But that's not going to happen mm-hmm. in a public school setting in most cases. It's either taught and advocated for or it's just going to be banned. Yeah. And I think that's a – I don't think that's good. Yeah. But I can also understand the the impulse that says, well, if you're going to – if you're not going to have an open and honest discussion about it, then maybe it is better to ban something. Mm-hmm. But now we're getting down that road of like now we're banning speech. Now, yeah. Now we're <laughs> – now, now we're – now we're being anti-free speech in one sense. So that, that's the tension I feel, John, when it comes to discussions about free speech of in, in a context where I, where I am confident that at least there's a fair hearing. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. Throw it out there. Make your best arguments for it. But then make sure that you've also got opposing views that are like, mm-hmm. here's why that's not helpful. Here's why that's not true. Here's why that's dangerous. And put it in front of students like that. But too often on issues like this, yeah. it's just one direction or the other. It's it's all – well, of course, all these little tenets of, of CRT are, are great and of course they're, so they're illuminating. Or it's everything about CRT is awful and dangerous and, and there's nothing here. So we shouldn't even really talk about it. Like the free speech advocate in me wants to say, can't we just put it all on the table and, and, and talk through what mm-hmm. – you know, how to think about this? But that doesn't happen anymore in large parts of our culture. Yeah. So, so that I, ma- I, I widely uh, resound with what you're saying. Like, like I, like I echo lots of what you're saying. Yeah. So that that's where I feel that tension as someone who, in general, wants to advocate for free speech. Mm-hmm. But if it's not going to be, if if there's no real opportunity for that to take place, mm-hmm. I I just feel stuck in those contexts. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think that's part of being. I think that's part of being in our modern moment, right? That we do feel really stuck in in a number of those contexts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, do you think we've successfully solved the issue? No, no, I'm not even sure I could define the issue. Okay, all right. Well, we certainly muddied. A <laughs> um, um, couple of resources. Yeah, uh, on, on the news side of thing, one app I've used on and off is an app called All Sides, where They'll take a topic in in the news headlines and give you three articles uh, from different perspectives on that, and we'll identify like this one's on the right, this one's on the center, this one's on the left, and and uh, let you read each one and, and weigh it out, and even point out like, oh, the right does this, the left says this mm-hmm. more, and interesting. Yeah. So that, um, as well as uh, some primary sources, John Stuart Mill's second chapter on liberty on free speech, hmm. very very good. Okay. Well, we are at episode ninety nine. And we need an athlete, John. We've got options. Yeah, 99 is a good number. It is. Uh, maybe. Well, uh, well, we'll get started here. Um, in, in our wheelhouse, uh, the world of hockey. Totally. Uh, Wayne Gretzky. He's the great one. The great one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, had a 20-plus year career 
And he's the only player in the NHL who's had his number retired across the league. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, arguably the greatest hockey player of all time, right? I mean, is it even arguable? I, mean, uh, I think he's just the greatest hockey player yeah. of all time. Okay. Yeah. Um, although he was on amazing Oilers teams up there in the uh, in the late 80s. Yeah. I mean, really excellent Oilers teams. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure he won any other cups. Did he win one with the Kings? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Um Anyway, we should probably move on to an athlete who's a little bit more in our wheelhouse. Yeah, uh, Aaron Donald. Yes. Current player. Yep. Uh, he's been a defensive tackle for the Rams since 2014, dominant probably, defensive player. Probably the best defensive tackle in the league. Yeah, I think so, probably. Um, currently. Uh, right up there with him, though, is J.J. Watt. Well, he's a defensive end. I, I tend to separate out tackle okay, okay, and end. Okay. Um, but, yeah, J.J. Watt, obviously, since 2011 – uh, he's played with the Texans and now with the Cardinals. Um, Warren Sapp? Yeah. Histor- I'm, I'm familiar with Warren sure. Sapp. Sure, yeah. Played for the Buccaneers for many years as well as the Raiders, defensive tackle. Uh, and then uh, a, a Jet that I always struggle to pronounce his last name, uh, Mark Gastineau? Gastineau. Gastineau? Yeah, I put that in there for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was before your time. Uh, yes, he retired the year I was born. Yeah. I do remember watching him play, though. He was a— What What struck you about Gastineau when I, he played? I, I forget what—I mean, there was at least one or two years where he led the league in sacks, and he was just unblockable. Just coming off the edge, he was impossible to block. Okay. Always had to double-team him. Okay. Kind of had long, flowing locks of hair as hmm. well. So. Before Palomalu, huh? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, Manny Ramirez— Manny gonna Manny. I mean, Manny's gonna be Manny. He's he was. Do you remember when he walked into the Green Monster in the middle of a game to <laughs> <Yes>. use the restroom? <laughs> yeah, just he, what he a was, guy. He was his own character, to be sure. Um, I mean, he came to prominence with the Indians. Was on those great Indians teams in the mid '90s that could never quite break through and win a World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, George Browns, George who? Did I get that wrong? Oh, sorry. I jumped down a line. Uh, George Mikan. Mikan. I dropped down a line. Yeah. On, on the sheet there. George Mikan. George Mikan. You've heard the name, right? I believe so. Yeah. So he was like one of the first big men in, in, in NBA history. Like he was a dominant center in the earliest years. You, know, you see he played from 46 to 56 when the Lakers were in Minneapolis. Which the name Lakers makes a lot more sense there. It does. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, a dominant player, of course, there's always that sort of kind of, yeah, but. I mean, I think he was probably three to four inches taller than just about anybody else in the league. So he was not necessarily playing against um, people of his own size. Uh, Would LeBron have gone to the Lakers if they were in Minnesota? No. No. (laughs) I think that's right. I don't think he'd go either. Yeah. Uh, our Ohio State entries for today, Bill Willis was a lineman from 42 to 44. He's an NFL Hall of Famer with the Browns, and he had his number retired at Ohio State in 2007. Uh, before that, though, Alonzo Spellman, defensive end, Spellman. drafted by the Bears. I remember Spellman. He played from 89 to 91 at Ohio State, and Luke Fickle wore 99, ah. current Coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats and was nice. a longtime Ohio State assistant uh, before moving on. So uh, we have lots of options. And John, th- can I can I break some news here? 
How about next week? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So who who you got? Uh, got to be Wayne Gretzky, right? I, I think yeah? so. I mean, as much as I love Aaron Donald, JJ Watt, and Warren Sapp, um, hard to pick against Wayne Gretzky. It 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 is. It w- is. With a nickname like the Great One. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you go against that. So. One thing you liked. Okay. Well, I am making that one up on the spot. Um, <laughs> Would you like me to go first? Yeah. Why don't you go first and I'll come up with something. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I mentioned this earlier in the show, but being in Texas at the Evangelical Theological Society and Society of Biblical Literature hmm. conferences, getting to uh, spend time with co- uh, colleagues and friends from across the country uh, as well as see some uh, some Grace alums, some Grace grads. Really? Yeah. What Grace grads did you see there? Kim Kroll. Kim Kroll was there. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Andrew Kutzier. Remember oh, Andrew? Kutzier was there. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very Absolutely. nice. I think he's a pod listener. I don't know. Yeah. Didn't he, come up. It didn't come up. Well, no. then clearly he's not. He's not. Yeah. <laughs> Although now I expect a tweet if he is. Um, yes. Uh, Andrew, this is going to be a weird one. We had the opportunity to go to a number of people's houses for dinner. In the last couple of couple of days, so the hospitality okay. of others was was very kind to us over the okay. over the weekend. Gotcha. Anything in particular you want to highlight out of that? Or I mean, obviously, I don't want to put want to put you on the spot. But was there was there maybe a meal or a dish or an activity? No, uh, we did hang out with a family. I'll tell you who they are off pod. Uh, yeah. Had three of the most well behaved children I've ever seen in my life. Okay, it was wild. I'll tell you more about it. It was pod. wild in the fact that it wasn't wild. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness! Like all these kids, uh, all under seven or eight, uh, stood up from the table. May I be excused? Took their plate over to the sink, and then played for the next couple of hours while we talked to their parents uh-huh. um, without screens. Wow! Yeah, yeah. It blew me away. I mean, just blew me away. So we need to get these people to write a parenting book? Of some kind. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> that was one of the reflections Andrew and I had coming out of that dinner. Yes. I was. I, I always remember being struck by when, when Kate and I were uh, parents of young children and we had friends who did not have children but had strong opinions on perhaps how we should have been parenting better. I always re- remember being struck by, hmm, interesting that you have strong opinions about something you've not done. Mm-hmm. And sure, you can have your theory. Let's see how it all turns out for you when you have children and theory hits reality. Oh, so, yeah. So, I, and I'm not, I've never had that vibe from you. So, mm-hmm. I, okay, you know, lovely. That's, that's lovely. I was, I was quietly you. wondering, no, 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 oh my gosh, no, no. is he talking about me? No. no what no, have no. I said? <laughs> no, no, no. No, you've always been a great help to us in, uh, in, Keeping our boys on the right path, including even vetting Christmas lists. Vetting Christmas lists, yeah. Teaching one of them how to drive a manual mm-hmm. transmission. Yep. Or if there were, there was a dust up of some kind, I'd well, let's go let's go buy a power tool, and I, yeah. I would I would go out and buy a power tool. I remember that. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we have got uh, things to do for the rest of the day here. I know you've got uh, a meeting coming up. Um, but we would love to wish our listeners a happy Thanksgiving. We hope you have a, a festive celebration with uh, family and friends, that you eat lots of good food, mm-hmm. catch some football, catch a nap on Thursday afternoon. I think so. Let the trip to van take over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so are you – when do Christmas decorations go up in your household? 
Um, like November 10th. Oh, they're already up. So there's a few that are up. Okay. Um, my wife has been pretty forceful that she wants to put the tree up. However, I don't think it's going up to the end of this week. Okay. We have a pretty firm commitment in our household that nothing goes up until after Thanksgiving. And typically, it's the Friday or Saturday, but typically the Friday of Thanksgiving weekend that the tree and we don't do a ton of decorating. But so, do you, do you take a similar Christmas music stance? One hundred percent. Okay. Well, you know, Zach in Ohio takes a very different stance. Well, he's wrong. Well, so <laughs> he he told me, and this is something I I think I could get on board with, where he listens to like. Christmas hymns and, and things like that at this time of year. So uh, after November 1st. Okay. But we'll not listen to like jingle bells until after Thanksgiving. The older I get, the less tolerance I have for non – for that kind of Christmas music. Hmm. Give me hymns. Okay. I can deal with that. But the sort of vacuous – uh, Up on the rooftop, click, click, <laughs> click. <laughs> yes, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I just I, I i have I have very little tolerance for that. Hmm. But interesting. Yeah, that's that's a me problem though. All right. Well, I didn't see us going there, but hey, that's where we ended up. That's part of the beauty of the pod. Yeah, it's our pod. We get to do what we want. <laughs> that's right. And if people don't like it, we're not going to apologize for this free entertainment that we provide. Yeah. 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 That our school that our work graciously lets us take an hour yeah. or so of yeah. our week to Yeah, and they to provide do. the equipment, but Yeah. And John, time. Yep. But before we sign off here, next episode is is 100. It's the big one. Yeah. It's the big 100. 100 episodes. We'll have to do something. Yeah, we've talked about it. I can't remember <laughs> what exactly we've talked about, but we'll we, we'll do it next Monday. We've had we, we'll have to break some news next yeah. next week. That uh, there'll be a slight formatting change yeah. to the program. Yeah. But in any case, I, I think we have covered our various and sundry topics. We're ready to call mission accomplished. I think so. And so all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.